Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Optimize Self Podcast. Before I give an introduction on this episode, I want to give a shout out to my first official sponsor. Everyone out there who loves beards or has a beard or would like to buy a present for someone that has a beard, I recommend Dancing Beard Co. They make beard balm and beard oils, all made from natural ingredients and essential oils. They are extremely good at shaping your beard and keeping your beard lush and healthy. I use it on a daily basis because I have a solid red beard which needs caring for. Very happy with their product. If you ever need to get onto them, I recommend looking them up at dancingbeardco.com or even better, you can check out their Instagram account which is at dancingbeardco. Check them out. You will not be disappointed if you have a beard and you buy this product. Now... My next person on the podcast is Paulina. She is originally from Chile and she migrated to Australia at about the age of 10 and she tells about her story of migration, life back in Chile and life beginning in Australia up until this point. What she's well known for though is her dancing, especially her salsa dancing. She talks very passionately about how she has grown as a person through dancing and what she loves about it and just the motivation she gets and the happiness that dancing brings to her. She is very fascinating, has a very interesting life story. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Optimize uh, Self podcast. Here we go. So, Paulina, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks, Simon. Thanks for having <laughs> me here. Uh, it's a, It's like... I was just saying to you just then before we started the recording, this is the first time I ever do that. I ever do a podcast, so it'll be interesting. Yes. Um, I have wanted to get you on for a while now. <laughs> um, just because for people that are listening, me and you currently work together. Yeah. And I've gotten to know you through plenty of conversations we've had at work mm. and a few instances outside of work. But... Um, I find that you are quite, uh, you've led quite an interesting life up until what you're doing now. And I know you have quite a passion for, for life and for culture and for experiencing things probably at their fullest if it's through the stories you've told me of travel, yeah. through the way you love to do your dance and the yeah. way you speak of your family. Before we get into anything about, yeah. say, you know, your dancing and your travel yeah. and your passion for that stuff. Do you reckon you could give me a bit of like, you know, a, a, a rundown or some sort of summary on, you know, like you, you aren't from Australia, you're an immigrant. Do you want to yeah, take me through? Uh, of course. Um, you pick up from my accent that I, I wasn't born here. I'm from Chile. Um, I would like to think that I don't have an accent, but I can't help it. <laughs> um, but that's all right. That's part of me and my history. Um I've been living in Australia for 40 years um, and I feel very lucky to have moved here with my family. My dad migrated. My mum and dad decided that um, it wasn't good for us in Chile anymore for 
I guess for economic reasons, um, political uh, reasons. Although my dad wasn't involved in the politics, the politics that in the time in Chile were a little bit. Um, there was a lot of um, uncertainty, um, so we lived far away from the the capital where all the travel was, but it was still pretty, pretty unsafe, pretty. Um, you did you didn't know what was gonna happen the next day. What so year was this? Seventy seven. Okay. So uh, well yeah, seventy seven was when we left. Okay. But all the problems in Chile started in nineteen seventy three, around that time. So my dad having a, a trade that Australian was Australia was requiring at that time, he's a feeder and turner, it was very easy for him to apply. Within six months of applying, um, we were in Aussie land so it was a pretty quick pretty quick thing that happened um, I remember it very well like it happened yesterday but yeah so I grew up, up in Australia I grew up I came when I arrived in Australia it was very close to where we are here now in Footscray I arrived in Maribyrnong in the Midway Midway Hostel it was known then okay it was close to um, the High, High Point Shopping Centre and from there we moved to Broadmeadows that's where we grew up I went to school in that area, in Glenroy, and then um, I, I, yeah, I, so I grew up in, in, in Australia, I have a, a sister that was born here, but after 40 years, obviously, Australia's home, and although I acknowledge and I value where I'm from, Australia's home, yeah. Australia's home? Australia's home, definitely. So, 76 is when you came here? 77. 77, sorry. 77. Um, what was... So you were 10 years old, did you yeah, say? Yeah, I was 10 moved? years old. What was yeah. Chile... What can you remember of Chile back then? Um, well, we lived... We lived far away from the, the capital. We I lived in a very little small town in the Andes. My dad was working for a, for um, a hydroelectric plant that they were building in one of the... At the bottom of one of the big lakes there. Okay. Um, it was a really massive operation um, and so all the people in the, that little town were like families of the workers that were involved in this project. Um, before that my dad had worked in other, other similar uh, hydroelectric plants so he moved around with the company that he was. It was sort of, I, I suppose it was similar to what uh, um, what's it called? The power, uh, the electric uh, company that that's big here. Um, um, could be like AGL. Yeah, or, one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, one of those companies in in Chile, and so he moved around, and so I never lived in the capital, and that's where all the big trouble was. I mean, um, Pinochet had um taken over Allende's uh, socialist um mm. government. And the military had taken over. Now, before moving to that little town where I was, it's called. It was called Rayenko. I used to live in Concepcion, which is the second biggest city in 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 Chile. And I was going to primary school, and that's at that time was when all that trouble started in nineteen uh, around nineteen seventy three. I remember. Yeah. Um. We mostly heard the stories of the 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 events that happened in the capital but we could still sense a lot of um 
instability and danger and there was like uh, curfews in in all the countries so for example we i remember the time where you were only allowed to leave your house for a couple of hours like around midday i think it was to go and do your shopping to get things done to maybe pay your bills whatever and then you had to be in your house all day wow and you could hear shooting outside i remember obviously that's very clear when if when you're a kid you remember stuff like that very Mm. clear so um shooting outside and people getting um like the, the the police were um taking anyone prisoner anyone who sort of didn't do do the right thing i suppose um and so i i heard stuff outside my my mom and dad would have the the curtains the windows closed and we could hear a lot of trouble outside shooting and everything yeah wow so that was in in concepcion and then we moved to the south and there was less sort of direct problems there we the but I remember the big change at school that we used to, like in Chile in those days, we, you know, in South America, people are very patriotic. Every Monday, you, uh, like in school, they make you sing the, the national anthem. Really? So um, the national anthem had always been sang one way. Though it's, it's, it's a lot of like different parts to the song. It's a really long song. Mm. And they only, we were only singing like the first or second sort of part of it. Mm. And then when the, the the military took over, they chose that we all had to sing this part where it talked about the soldiers def- defending the land and whatever. So nobody could ask questions. Nobody could say anything. Nobody could sort of argue. They just, it was the way it was. And, wow. and it, it, you were really afraid of asking even why we were, we were changing the, the words of the the, mm. the national you know because it was part of our every you know every every kind of day we were singing this song mm. every week every monday and in school um and then and also they would sort of treat us like, like little mini soldiers and yeah. get us to line up and all this it was it was like the military was taking yeah. over we so were all like little full-blown <laughs> dictatorship yeah yeah um because i was young i I knew it was trouble, um, but obviously my parents were a little bit afraid of what was happening. And a lot of people in those days were going, um, you know, didn't know what happened to them. They went missing. They were taken prisoners. They were tortured. Um, and they were tortured just because you probably you probably didn't want to sing the song. You you mm. know, you were taken prisoner and then you, you were tortured. Wow. So, um, so, yeah, so that was the kind of time that I remember in Chile when we left. Um, but yeah, my dad wasn't directly involved, but it was still something that was pretty obvious. Yeah, you needed to get out. Yeah, they obviously to get knew out. knew yeah. what to do. Yeah, we weren't political refugees. We were, we were, we came as migrants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you come? Did you come by boat or plane? We came by plane. Obviously, the first time I ever caught a plane, but it was a really long trip to Australia. Um, yeah, um, that was. It was kind of, for me, it was kind of exciting. Mm. I remember not hearing too much about Australia. I only knew about the kangaroos. <laughs> and some people told me that Australia, I mean, my uncle, I remember, who was a tennis fan, he said, oh, you know, in Australia, they play good tennis. You know, just sort of these random comments. But we didn't really know what we were heading for. Yeah. We didn't know what to expect. 
there weren't many books, tourist books or anything in the encyclopedia or, you know, really bad pictures probably (laughs) of what Australia looked like. Um, So you didn't, we didn't know what to expect. And when we did arrive, it was a completely different world. I mean, I was coming from a very small little town in the Andes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To uh, the western suburbs of Melbourne. Yes. So what... um, what was it like then in Australia when you first arrived? Oh, what can you remember of those years very, as a young it kid? It was very... It seemed like like those things that you see in books. Every, to me, everything was perfect. Like the streets were clean. There were trees. There were beautiful buildings, the architecture. It was like, it was like living in a movie mm. for me. And all these white people <laughs> white blondies you know mm. um and it was it sort of it sort of seemed like very like a very innocent country mm. you could you could it was a, a lot safer back in those days it's still very safe compared to where i'm from but you know you could leave your bike out you could do all these things that we couldn't we couldn't do in, in south america i mean we it was a completely different mentality uh everything was organized everything was it just seemed really exciting that we were coming into a very advanced a very advanced country Mm. you know and we had to learn Mm. we had to learn because growing up in south america you yeah it's different sort of rules um to rule to live by um so I, I th- but I thought it was very exciting and I really, I really enjoyed myself. I really, um, I, I, I don't know, I remember taking the, a tram from, from where we were living in the hostel. We took a tram once to the city and it was just so exciting looking like I can remember going past the Flemington flat in the, in the flat, mm. in the tram and then around the, the, that royal, royal or to call that royal parade no not royal parade the next to the zoo where the yep. zoo is at yep. park and it was just beautiful it was like uh, just perfect city yeah I just i thought i had won the touch or something yeah, yeah. And i'm living a dream yeah <laughs> yeah so it was exciting yeah yeah and then you you obviously you know you've lived here for the majority of your life yeah. now yeah um and you know you you call australia home yeah, but you obviously have roots obviously with your yeah. you know your south american culture and everything and yeah. it's been a process um to sort of um work out exactly who i am and um like you you have growing up in in my teenage years i wanted to um identify myself with either one was mm. i was i australian was i chilean and i had it was a kind it was a little bit difficult because when I came to Australia, I had just had a grade four in Chile. And because of the time that I arrived in, Ch- in Australia was like the end of the year, instead of putting me down one year, like they usually put kids one year down, like I would have to have started four again, but they made me go back two years. Mm. So it, it, it meant that for the rest of my schooling years, I was a bit older older, yeah. older than the rest of the kids yeah. now i i was an introvert by nature but this sort of made 
made it a uh, sort of a bigger challenge for me because I, I just could not really connect with kids at, at you know many uh, levels yes. I couldn't I couldn't really I remember in Chile that I didn't really mix a, a lot with the kids I just like to watch but that became an even bigger thing in Australia because I could not understand what they were playing you know yeah. they were playing different games they were talking a different language they were behaving differently and so i used to just watch the kids yeah and it wasn't that i was shy i was just it was sort of my introverted introverted nature and just being um older i didn't really fit in mm. as as well as maybe i i would have liked to although I, you know, looking back, I don't mind growing having having had that experience oh, no because way. because I yeah. was, I was, I was a spectator. I was watching. I was studying what this culture was all about. Mm. Like in in my environment, the kids and what they were doing. Well, we've often talked about this, but like, what is Australian culture? Because it's it's a pretty broad subject. Trying to find out what we do as a country you know when we're a country full of full of migrants and a big yeah. big mix of different people and a history that you know has been forgotten um how was it like adapting to that then and trying to find your own way and finding things that you could kind of relate to when you were like a young um like i said it was kind of hard to to mingle with the kids and play with them so i from a very early age i i sort of i sort of took up sports yeah um and that was where that's how i i knew that i could connect better into this culture because we we did a lot of sports at school so when i did i don't know gymnastics or tennis or any of that i sort of blended in a little bit better with the Aussie culture in a way um, and I was glad that we were doing so many sports because in Chile sports especially in those days sports was for the elite mm. sports was for people who had money mm. if you wanted to play tennis you you know you couldn't because you you, you know tennis is an expensive mm. sport a lot of sports are expensive only soccer is cheap yeah yeah because you can just keep whatever ball you have you know but so um Sports was was something that I that I use I suppose, um, but I I think most of my years I was pretty uh, I was pretty on my own. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, I didn't make a lot of friends, but I did not feel sorry for myself. I knew that that was me. Mm. Um, there was uh, there was one time I remember going back going home crying to my mum because someone. I think someone said something and I can't even remember someone, you know, you know, the, the, the typical bullying at school, but I did, I can't remember anything being that bad, but yeah. I, I, I remember something that I was upset about. And my mom just always said to me that moment and whenever any one of us had problems like that, um, she used to say, they're just jealous. They're just jealous of you. Mm. Um, and they, you are beautiful, you are smart, don't worry what, what people say, mm. you know. Um, and we just sort of left it at that. It mm. wasn't a big issue. You like, never took it, it on too yeah. much. No. My, I, you know, like, when you have a strong self-esteem, and that's because, you know, you have a strong self-esteem if you 
have a, a lot of love in your family and you grew up with you know mom a, a mom and dad that really love you and they really look after you and all that i don't think it's 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 hard to not have a you know strong self-esteem for sure yeah so it wasn't for us that type of bullying was never an issue yeah. none of us could say that we sort of suffered from um racism or anything mm. like that mm. i can't remember anything like that mm. it was it was just one or two odd things that kid probably kids said in the, in the backyard but it wasn't really yeah. a real issue so my problem mixing with kids it was i guess my my own personality mm. um i thought i was too smart for these kids because well one thing that sort of made me feel that i was different was when i arrived in australia the education in australia was not uh not to the level that we had in chile okay so for example in grade four when i left chile in grade four they were teaching us a whole lot of uh, history well south american history and geography we knew where countries were we knew the capitals we knew multiplication math we knew a whole lot of things that uh, the kids in the same level here didn't know mm. so i remember in meadow in meadow heights in the primary school that i i used to go as a kid uh, the teacher said who knows where algeria is and nobody knew where Algeria is and I knew that it wasn't South I knew it wasn't in South America and I knew it was you know, I knew that it had something to do with Africa. Yeah. So, you know, none of the kids that went up to the front and pointed to the world map, they knew, nobody knew. And when I knew, everyone was like, Oh my gosh, you're so smart <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, No, that's not fun. We should already know that. Yeah. And so um with things with a lot of things like that. I started realizing that my education was a lot higher yeah. in comparison. So that also was a bit of a... Uh, Definitely helped you yeah, out, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Helped me, but it sort of set me apart from them yeah, as well. Because yeah. kids kind of felt, oh, Paulina, she's, you know, the goody-goody. She knows all the answers yeah. and the teachers. And I was like, oh, just, you know. Just because they're jealous. <laughs> and I was older yeah. as well. I was more mature. So yeah. I, I didn't really... like. When the kids started organizing parties after school when we were teenagers, I didn't really mix with them. But, I, yeah, I mm. don't know if I would have been that different if, if I had lived in Chile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what age did you start getting into your dance? Because I know you have a very yeah. passion, a lot of passion, sorry, yeah. for dancing. Well, dancing was in, in, in my in me for for a very long time my dad my dad played the trumpet or studied the trumpet when he was young so he had a lot of music at home he practiced his trumpet and so i was listening to louis armstrong ella fitzgerald and all these um, ballets and operas and rock and everything yeah um so i learned i think before my mom says that before i was walking i was dancing and as soon as I could, I learned how to put a record on yep. in my pa- my dad's old record um, player. So I remember dancing even when I was probably three or four. S- my dad also had a very big personality and he was always in the center of like parties. My dad was always dancing and I danced with him. So music was a real big part of him. Mm. And so... But it didn't. It wasn't a big thing for me until in Australia, um, 
19, I think I was 19 years old where I ended up uh, going into a, like a gig for a Latin American gig in Carlton in um, what's it called Carlton Club yeah so they had a Latin band and I ended up going there with some students it was a it was a party that someone had organized and it was the very first time I actually sort of see live a, a Latin band but I had heard them before, like through my dad's music, I had heard that music and I was like, wow, this is our music, mm. you know, in Australia. So in in, in that um, club, there was all these Latinos um, that I had, I had never seen anyone dance salsa because in Chile, nobody actually danced salsa. We listened to a lot of music, but salsa is not really part of our culture, I suppose. So... But when I saw Colombians and Peruvians and Salvadorians dance salsa, I was like, wow, this is this is this is me. Mm. I kind of really identify with it. And then I started going every weekend and I got addicted and um, because I had a little bit of movement and a little bit of rhythm, it was for easy for me to pick up a lot of the steps and things. So I I I just became this yeah salsa addict yeah <laughs> yeah and, and then from there you know 19 years of learning it yeah um what kind of you know you went in plenty of events or did you go in any competitions uh, like yeah, how, it started how did you slowly. progress it started slowly it was started like i was really flattered by one of the guys in the latin band saying hey you should be dancing on stage one day so he pulled me up on stage randomly like that and i was like as it was funny because at 19 years old i was still pretty shy and introverted at school and everything i had started university but i was, was this really sort of awkward sort of uh, teenager mm. and and i hated getting up in front of the class to you know say a poem or sing or do any sort of presentation i hated it but when this guy pulled me on stage it was like this is me there's no really? doubt that i that i felt so comfortable being on stage it wasn't an issue and so um it was for me i felt a, like freedom i don't know what from but it, it felt really good and then i got asked to be the official dancer for the band okay and then and then i started working with other bands and other bands and whatever and then i started getting asked to do to teach yeah um in days before all the latin dance school started there was only a few people who could sort of teach and that's when i in, that's when i started to teach but i was teaching what i learned from from dancing on the, on the dance floor okay from the peruvians and the salvadorians there weren't any cubans back then in australia so no cubans but i learned from just dancing one time I went to some other event, some other gig, and, and I bumped into this guy that was doing a floor show, a Latin floor show, and he was doing like the, you know, dancing, probably dancing with, with the girls and costumes and everything. And he, he, he took me out for a dance and he goes, hey, you, you're a really good dancer. And um, so we had a bit of a dance and that was it. And then I... I ended up one time applying for a job in the paper and it turned out to be his this guy's dance school, Fabio his name is. <laughs> so when I turned up at the 
interview to be a dance teacher it wasn't him who interviewed it was someone else that worked for him and this girl was saying all right so you dance latin and i go yeah i think so she goes can you do the so-and-so step and she was naming things in a sort of a technical dance way and i didn't know what she was talking about and then Fabio walks in and he looked at me and he goes, oh, she's got the job. She knows what she's <laughs> doing. <laughs> so that was it. So I started teaching. So you but actually... I, did, I wasn't really... Like, I, I didn't train to be a teacher yeah. either. So I just teach... I taught the way I learned. So you were more about seeing and then doing yeah. rather than like dissecting it to certain techniques yeah. and names. You were just Fabio like... had had proper dance training and proper... He was a proper dance teacher and he, know, he knew how to give you know those kind of instructions i was like someone who just learned on the street mm. and i had to actually learn from fabio how to teach and count and all these things okay. i didn't have a clue about that i just you know he could he and i could just do everything together and he'd lead me to do all these turns and i knew how to do it but i didn't know how i was doing yeah, it yeah yeah that's amazing yeah yeah did so how long were you teaching for I taught for. I mean, you still about, teach a yeah. little bit, but. Oh man, um, well, probably about fifteen years. Wow, and fifteen you, years. And you really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed more to be to to perform to 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 dance on stage. I I think the most fun I had was dancing with the Latin bands. Mm. I loved hearing the live music behind me, like the trumpets mm. and the drums right next to me. It really gave me a big buzz. And it gave me a big buzz as well, having an audience and having people really enjoying watching the dancing as, as well as listening to a really good band. Um, th there was a couple of times where I had people say, man, I come here just to watch you mm. dance. And that was a big compliment because um, when I got on stage, it was like dancing in my own living room. I wasn't really aware that I was on stage because I, 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 it was such a big passion. I wasn't, I got on stage accidentally. Yeah. And so um, I danced as if I was in my own living room and now I'm still dancing in my living room. Um, but that was a real compliment when people said things like that because I felt that people really when when people said oh you look like you're having so much fun you look happy and i want to do what you do because you look like you're having so much fun that was that's what gave me the strength to like teach and mm. you know the motivation to teach and all this because i wanted people to really enjoy themselves other, pe other people were teaching yeah. and they was I, I felt that they were stressing the students out yeah. by teaching them all these crazy weird technique and counting the one two three five six seven and i could watch these guys learning that way i'm like no that's not the way you, yeah. you, 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 you do teach. you <laughs> do you know the like can you explain the state that it puts you in when you are up on stage and you're enjoying yeah, that it's I mean, is it very I meditative get i get in a bubble i get in a bubble when um i get in a bubble so badly sometimes that it's i'm kind of a, a very selfish dancer because salsa is meant to be danced um, as a couple, but I would go and listen to this band, and even if I wasn't on stage, I was dancing just next to the stage, as close to the stage as I could be, and dance on my own, and I would just go and do my own crazy thing without caring who was watching or who wasn't watching. Um, and many, many, many times, uh, 
boys or men would would you know um invite me for a dance and i would hate it because it would take me out of that yeah yeah (laughs) but uh, you know the right thing to do is to accept the dance Mm. but when people are not doing what you feel like you should be doing with the music like dancing like there, there are good dancers out there, but there's a lot of limited dancers but you're, out there, and then you make that you you're made to dance like with them, and you go, oh, this song is so good yeah. to be dancing, so simple. That's <laughs> awesome, though, that yeah. it, it brings it gives you such a sense of like you know freedom and yeah, I guess you know like I can it could be a similar experience like you people call it you know like a flow state where you're completely like in that zone of you don't really. You're not. It's not like you're conscious really of what's going on too much. It's just it's just happening. You're in the yeah. moment so much, and I get that sometimes with jujitsu when I'm yeah. when I'm rolling around. It's like like sometimes the the round finishes, and I'm like, whoa, like yeah. that. Where was you gotta, I? Like you, you just come out of it. Yeah, yeah, you just you've gone to another another place almost. Yeah. And I mean, it that can happen with anything that you're into. If yeah. it's painting or surfing or you know dancing. It, you can find your pl- yourself in that state, and I find it quite fascinating, and I find it motivating when I hear people talking about the well, things that they do that that gives them that sense of just complete yeah. fullness. You know, the, I mean, the, those are the kind of people that I'm attracted to in general, mm. like not just relationships, but just friendships. I I need to know what makes that other person tick, mm. what makes that other person feel like they're in this bubble, mm. because. Um, a lot of people actually don't have a big hobby mm. or they they let their hobby sort of sit on, on the curve for a bit and then, you know, they, they, they let life take over. Mm. They work, they do other things with life, but they don't, um, they don't, um, they don't develop their hobby or they don't practice their hobby. And people are not as happy as they could be. I mm. think, you know, like when you have something like that, whatever it is, painting, I don't know, jumping off a cliff, whatever it is that you love, I don't know, just love something. Mm. I find it really f- frustrating when I, I, I ask someone, so what's your hobby? I, I usually do. When I, you know, when I'm starting a new job, I work in hospitality for me forever. But whenever I... I start working with people. I ask them, "What's your hobby?" Mm. Because um, I have more than one hobby, but yeah, salsa is something that has shaped me, has made me do things. Like if it wasn't for my dancing, I had never gone to the places where I where I went. Mm. Um, and I've had such really interesting experiences. And I came out of being that shy, introverted person. I became something completely different through my dancing and mm. it allowed me to express myself very in in a, in an even another language and I got I got Spanish, English and dancing, mm. you know. So it's another way of um connecting to the world and it dancing has no barriers. Mm. Um a lot of things like that don't have any barriers, you know, you could and and it's something that if I didn't have it, I don't know what I would do with myself. You know, life would be very depressing if yeah. I didn't have it. Yeah. No, it's great that you stress that importance of, of a, you know, a hobby or a, a passion, say, you know, outside of your work. I mean, some people have jobs, which is, you know, they're a professional surfer or, you know, they get yeah, paid high, yeah. lots of money to be a yeah. professional dancer, you know, so 
they might live it a little bit differently but for say you know the average joe like the average person who's working you know a job if it's an office job like you can get extremely extremely um extremely distracted and yeah sorry my dog just vomited on the ground but if you don't have that that drive to want to like pursue if it's your martial art or your your dancing then then you can become a very unhappy person because i think these things do do help you express yourself in ways that you might not have ever done if you'd never tried them unless you it's a way of distressing yourself it's an outlet it's a it's a different way of uh, spending your days Um, I find we talk a lot about depression for me my dancing has been a tool that I've used I can be dancing when I'm happy but I've also I can also dance when I'm really really sad or angry but the good thing about salsa and salsa music is that it, it is a happy music and happy dance. So whatever, if if I'm in a negative state of mind, it'll it will always bring me to a positive. Yeah. Like I I've I've danced in very sort of dark moments in my life uh, where I've been crying and it's been really really hard. And I turn the music on and it just takes me. It just transports me to that. Come on, Polina, let's let's do this. Let's get on with life, and this is you know life is good, mm. and making you know it makes me feel really really awesome, and and it's just like the problems are left right there, mm. you know, like I leave them right there and then. It's your your form of therapy. Yeah, yeah, my therapy. Yeah. Um, and we need. I think I think our society needs a little bit more of that. Whatever it is, like yeah. dancing is a good one, but sports, whatever it is, um, it's a good. Good therapy. I find I think it's like that creativity because you know you can, you know you can just express yourself that you you know that it kind of puts you out of that norm or that those the, the normal strains that society will put you on or yeah. put like you know that you're you're supposed to be this type of person and ha- yeah. live this type of life, but if you can find something like that that can really bring you out of your shell, yeah. I think it helps you progress so much and with my own my own journey I found that through the hobbies that I've always done and it's for me the same it's always yeah. been sport and you know it's either like a snowboarding surfing you know at the moment you know it's jiu-jitsu and martial arts but these things that I have done over the years and practiced and enjoyed and loved they've all given me the same feeling you know yeah. that feeling we talked yeah. about when you're kind of just in that bubble yeah they've all given me the same thing. And if, if yeah. I couldn't do those things, yeah, like I would be a completely different person. I would be so... Yeah, I, but you I, asked yeah. me, for example, if what I, what if I enjoyed teaching or, you know, I I, I enjoyed teaching because it gave me some, another another tool, another way of connecting to, 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 to an other human beings because, for example... Um, there was a lot of the, I remember girls not having a lot of uh, good self-esteem or they mm. didn't feel sexy for instance right yeah. and so they there's a lot of sexy movements in, in, in salsa and you have to have confidence you have to know your body you have to feel comfortable with your body and there's a lot of girls with a lot of body issues and dancing was a way of sort of undoing a lot of that 
and making them feel confident and i would say to these girls oh, girls you know you're all sexy let's move you know let's use your curves to you know because they're there for a reason so don't be afraid of swing you know mm. um the i i got i got that out of teaching as well um you kind of you kind of contribute to other people's lives in some some kind of positive way yep. um they um they it's it's kind of different teaching when you can give something something back to someone mm. else as well mm. and and teach them like the the, the secrets of something you mm. know the, you know how when when you when i was able to teach stuff that other te- other dance teachers could not and the students would say so to me it was a, like an awesome experience as well because yeah. i was like oh polina the way that you explained it made so much sense you know that yeah. kind of feeling it's a, it's a, it's a good feeling yeah. when you can share that with people as well so um where are you at then currently then with your dancing and and following your passion well i had stopped dancing altogether because not altogether but it slowly it slowly became um a bit a kind of limited limited um i kind of did all the bands i did the the shows i did a lot of festivals I, i i traveled a bit with the dancing like um, with some of the bands, I had a lot of really interesting experiences, but it was a little bit limited in Australia. Um, what I could do with it, I got a little bit bored, and I, I got a little bit frustrated when the new wave of dance teachers and dancers came along, and they kind of made dancing very competitive, and uh, it was all about. Um, being a certain level, a dance level, you know, level one, level two, level mm. three, and, you know, intermediate and advanced. And it was all this com- competitive nature to the dancing that I didn't really enjoy myself as a dancer. I didn't want to be put in a in a category myself. And people like to put you in categories. It's like, are you an advanced, te- you know, dancer or what What are you? And like, no, I just dance. So that aspect of the dance world in melbourne sort of became a little bit boring for me like it wasn't really what i enjoyed yeah and so i kind of slowly left it and i in in those years though i met my partner he's a salsa he's got a salsa band and it was good because through through his band through his work or you know being being his partner i could still enjoy uh, the music through through what he was doing. I started helping him promote the band, um, get the gigs out there. And then when he had a gig, I got up on stage, I danced, and I played a little bit of uh, hand percussion to just fill fill in some yeah, gaps. Cool. So that was a really nice experience because it gave me gave me something that other other dancers couldn't because I had also learned to play a little bit of basic instruments in yeah. Latin America. but it, it, you know it, they look basic but you know there's a little bit of a trick to it but anyway it gave me a, a different dimension to the dancing and I was doing that as well as being the dancer on stage um, and that was that was nice but then I recently I recently last year I um, I it was an accidental sort of thing that I started doing an Instagram videos yeah and that was just because um, I uploaded a video of mine one night and it had some, a really good response and it was sort of a random decision. Oh, I'm going I'm to just record myself 
I don't know how I'm dancing. Let's see what I'm doing. Let's see if I'm still sort of got the moves that I used to have. And well, last year I turned 50 and it had been a while that I hadn't danced. So I thought, oh, let me see if I'm still dancing as good as, as the, the young people sort of thing. And I was kind of happy to see what I was doing on in the video. So I uploaded the video and I had a really good response from my family and from my dance you know, friends in, in Facebook. Yeah. And so it was very encouraging and people were asking for more. It's like, where have you been, Pauline? You haven't danced. You know, you should be on stage. You should be teaching. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. But in the end, I just decided that I wanted to continue posting videos um, because it was kind of, it was kind of fun that I was doing it at home in my own living room. I didn't have to invest on any any um equipment i just put on my my a hat some kind of prop <laughs> and i do it and it's fun and then and then i just um you share it yeah i share it and it's it's been it's been good for me physically as well because i hadn't been exercising either for a bit i had sort of left it not because i, I wanted to but because uh work had been so intense last year as well um, I didn't have a lot of time for exercise, so dancing was easy. I just turned the music on. I did a little bit of movement around, a bit of a sweat, and that was good. So now it's become a thing, you know, like my Instagram, my Instagram, my my YouTube and, and Facebook videos. Um, I don't know how this how long this will last, but it's been fun. It's been yeah. sort of an, another experience. And you're enjoying it, and one thing is which you've probably never done before is you're actually sharing your dancing with thousands of people because yeah. people obviously, you know, through the internet now you can, you can share your content and, and inspire people around the world. And, you know, yeah, you I know, think like, it's pretty good. There's so, so much talent out there. Now that I'm doing this, um, I'm checking what other people are doing, yeah. um, what other people are doing everywhere in the world, you know, Japan, France, Russia, you know, people are doing Latin dancing everywhere now. Latin dancing is just become an international thing it's still this it was a big thing maybe 10 years ago maybe maybe it was a bigger thing now it's sort of different styles it's not salsa it's um bachata everyone's doing bachata yeah but um it's 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 um i take pride in the fact that i've never i i never took lessons i never was professionally trained i never i could if someone if someone taught me how to do a choreography I can I can certainly learn it because I can I can just copy mm. but the dancing that I do the videos that I do are not rehearsed at all it's just improvised in the moment I put, press the record button and then I just dance mm. to the music I've got some favorite songs I keep playing them I've got to find some new music but I just love these songs that I always um, yeah. have on my videos but um I, I don't see a lot of people actually doing improvisations. Mm. I see people doing choreographies and they do it really well. So I kind of like the fact that I'm doing something a little bit um, different and something that I, I know that people are receiving as something that's done from the heart. Like yeah. you can, you, I think people are, are expressing the fact that they can see the way I dance, that I dance, I mean, my bubble. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And people yeah. are attracted to that authenticity for sure. To see someone express themselves in something that, that they love and they're good at, 
and it's not always everyone's jive, but yeah. there's billions of people on the earth that have, you know, access to be able to watch your yeah. watch your videos and get inspiration for it. So I think it's great. I think the the other thing that is also really positive is the fact that um, I am not. I've never been. I've never had a problem um, saying what my age is, but putting my age in my Instagram or my description on my YouTube. Mm. Um, I just I just do it because I want to um, motivate other women that are my age to do not dancing specifically but do what they love to do yeah. and be happy people ask me Polina you look so young I always say I always say it's my dancing because mm. that keeps me balanced it keeps me young it keeps me happy and maybe that's the reason why I don't look as old as other 50 year olds yeah. you know it's about my attitude to, to, to I have fun with myself and I'm not afraid of you know not putting makeup on a video or not putting you know I, 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 I don't it's not about my image mm, at all mm. it's not about creating some kind of character mm. I have I, I kind of laugh at myself in this video so I think that that maybe comes across it's like just having yeah. fun don't worry yeah, about what people say yeah that's yeah. good because you're being like I said it's authentic you're being yourself yeah and Sometimes it's hard to find, you know, authenticity with people this day and age. But at the same time, I think people are attracted to that because it could be lacking. It's all, and it's all about image, you know. These days, it's all about how you sexy you look, how you know fit you look, how uh, you know trendy you look. Mm. Um, but it's it's yes, it's it's fun to 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 follow all that but really you gotta you gotta you gotta search for what makes you because people you know it's what makes you attractive is what when you're when you're happy with yourself when yeah. you're confident with yourself yeah um you know like I'm, I'm latin i'm a latin woman and there's this sort of perception oh you know we latin women are, are, are sexy i think that sexiness sexiness comes from having that fun that uh, fun and that, that self-confidence self-confidence yeah, and not sure. caring what other people think mm. and especially with this uh, exposure that you were saying Iman, this exposure has been positive and it has been negative as well there's been a lot of people that sort of say negative stuff but i i don't let I, you know it's something that i i know that's gonna happen but mm. it doesn't it doesn't bother me at all it, it's been it's been funny i laugh at it and I can, well, like, I, I, yeah, I can, like, I can love it. You know, people have said that I'm too skinny. But like you said before, <laughs> as a kid growing up and maybe getting bullied, they're probably yeah. just jealous. And you don't care because you're actually yeah, having I'm the happy. time I'm, of your I'm life. I'm happy. I've got more people saying good things than bad people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's, I think it's really funny. I, t- I, it doesn't bother me at all what people are saying. And and I just find it really weird when, when. People do do let these things bother them because mm. people people are gonna be negative everywhere. Yeah, any, and they're gonna pick on anything. Yeah. So don't worry about it. You know. Just well, where can people find you if they want to see some of your videos? Where are you available <laughs> to be seen? Uh, well, just Paul. My name is Paulina, and my all my accounts are the salsa dancer. Paulina, the salsa dancer. So that's that's where it is. I got. Um, I've got photos 
um, as well of the past, a lot of photos of the past, although I lost a lot of them, and an album that I don't know where what, what happened to it. So but, if um, someone wanted to find you on Instagram, is it... Paulina the Salsa Dancer. Paulina the Salsa Dancer. Yeah, and, yeah. and your YouTube channel as well? The same. Paulina, Paulina the, salsa the Salsa Dancer. Dancer. Yeah, so they're all linked as well. So you can, once you find me on Instagram, you will be able to uh, find the link to YouTube and and so forth with Facebook and everything. So, But yeah, I mean, don't be surprised that you'll find crochet stuff because that's my, <laughs> other, that's your my other, passion. other passion. So if you go to my Instagram, Paulina the Salsa Dancer, if you go to my very early stuff, um, I had opened my original Instagram account with a lot of my crochet things first. I made the, the mistake <laughs> of not separating them. But yeah, that's my other passion. And um, yeah, that's me as well. There you go. <laughs> well, great conversation. Thank you for sharing. Oh, it's been fun. It's, it's always easy when you're talking about yourself. <laughs> yeah. But it's like I said before, people love to hear the stories of, you know, the lives that people have led and, you know, what they get up to because, you know, you're doing a... You're doing yeah, a great well, thing. I, You're living your I life. I always like as when when I when I start a new job. I always I think people very um, quickly find out who I am yeah. and that I love dancing because I it's it's me. It's so it's my my signature. It's it's my other the the other me. Um, but there's all there's a whole lot of other me's and I like to express those things. I don't you know people I don't know sometimes they're afraid of talking about what they love. Mm you know their passions and what they what makes them tick yeah and that's what i love about doing this podcast though is i really like to hear people's you know not personal personal details but their personal story of the the trials and tribulations that they've gone through especially listening to someone like you that has had this interesting life so far but then you have found this passion and this love for something that you're doing that's just part obviously that's just part of me it's not all of me it's a big part of my life um, but it's not all of me, I, you know. Um, I come from a, 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 a family. There's there's a whole, a whole lot of you know stories that I can t- talk about my yeah. family and you know my extended family. So there's, there's stories, there's stuff that I could talk about, you know, mm. that uh, have things to do with other aspects of my life. My relationship, for instance, we could talk about my relationship for a long time. Well, we'll it's such a complicated <laughs> one of those uh, soap operas. If, if anybody wants a good soap opera, Maybe. Or soap opera idea, my, my life story. Maybe we can <laughs> leave that for uh, yeah, episode like, number two. My God, that's, you know, I could talk for but, um, forever. But yeah, we're all, we all have a lot of stories yeah. to tell. Well, thank you again. And I uh, look forward to talking <laughs> to you again soon. Thank you, Iman. It was a good opportunity. It sort of makes me think about... Um, um, d- differently about things too. All right. Thank you, Paulina. See Thank you later. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye.